Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I am your host, Kevin Price, talking about you and your business. One of my all-time favorite people to talk to, a great friend of the show, and a great friend of mine, Warren D. Robinson. Warren, always love having you on the program. Uh, love your work, uh, phenomenal work that you do in the media. You, you have a very uh, diverse and interesting background. Uh, you're an attorney. Uh, you're a great media critic. You're a, a producer and show maker, including for uh, media like uh, Netflix. Netflix and, and uh, really many other networks, and always love having you on the program. By the way, his website is warrendrobinson.com. That's warrendrobinson.com. Warren, always glad to have you on the program. Happy New Year, and uh, we got a, we got a great topic lined up today, and looking forward to jumping right into it. Big wins for Trump presents big problem for the mainstream media, is what you're saying. And, uh, of course, what we're referring to is the uh, really, you get down to it, very unevent, uneventful results of Iowa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone who thought he wasn't going to win, uh, you see, you know, shame on them. I guess they haven't been watching the news. Uh, I guess what was a little surprising, though, was how big he won. Yeah. Most definitely. He won huge. You're right. We all kind of predicted he was going to win. But the numbers were historic in which we saw Trump uh, really dominate the Republican field. And it solidified to all the people who have been saying, oh, it's not going to happen and it's not possible and the polls are wrong. This kind of solidified that, no, Donald Trump is, in fact, the presumptive Republican nominee uh, once again. And I think both Nikki Haley and, and Ron DeSantis have a lot of work ahead of themselves uh, to somehow topple Donald Trump. I don't even know if it's, it's possible on their part at this point, but that's definitely what uh, Iowa solidified. And that, Kevin, is the problem that the mainstream media now has to face is uh, the legacy media because they now have to figure out, once again, how do we present Donald Trump? <laughs> it's easier to ignore him when he's just, you know, a crazy ex-president spouting off about this and that, right? You don't necessarily have to cover that. It becomes an entirely different thing when he is the presumptive, when he's the Republican nominee, when he's in a presidential campaign. Lord forbid if he actually wins again. So the media is really grappling right now with trying to figure out what do we do about Trump? They have a yeah. Trumpian problem. <laughs> Yeah, they do, and, and, and there's no question about it. And we talked about this a lot, um, you know, really since uh, as long as you've been with us, with us, because he is an interesting character. Uh, the media dealing with him is interesting, and you and I both know it, it, it's uh, it's a situation where the media does better when they get to deal with him, right? I mean, they, they'd love to have the luxury of ignoring him because they loathe him. The vast majority of media, frankly, I think even the hard right media, with the exception of maybe uh, the mega small networks like Newsmax, Max, you know, other than, than those type, uh, by the way, Newsmax is dealing with their own lawsuit, uh, similar to the one that uh, Fox had to deal with that cost them, what was it, $700 million? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. doesn't have $700 million. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but they still seem to love him. Uh, but, but even Fox would love to see him go to, to have some normalcy, but their ratings thrive or depend entirely on it, you know, and your, your point's well taken. Um, there's nothing normal about Trump. And then when you start looking at how 
rabid his support is. Um, yes. You sit there and you go, there's there's not much normal about the people that support Trump, and yet it's huge. The level of support is huge. But let's put this in context here about this. Iowa is 89.9% white. Let's put that <laughs> into context. Over the last 12 years, really the last decade, almost actually you want to get it honest, it's really since 2016 when Trump ran, there's been a pretty dramatic shift um, ideologically and, and party-wise for the state, a state that was predominantly um, left of center, um, with a few hardcore lefties, you know, back in the day by those standards, Tom Harkin, the senator, longtime senator there, was very, very uh, liberal uh, by national standards for someone in the U.S. Senate, particularly from that part of the country. Um, from that to one of the most really uh, much more strong blue states in the country. So there's been a big shift that's gone on, and, and it's hard to de determine exactly what has driven that. It, it is an anomaly. It's not the norm of the country, I don't think, particularly demographically when you look at the r races. Uh, but nonetheless, it's significant, and, and the Republican Party clearly puts a lot of stock in that. New Hampshire is a different animal, and clearly Trump is worried uh, about Nikki, Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. And then over the entire conversation here, I mean, this is like a two-hour conversation you and I could have. You know that. I can't yeah. even get my statement out because there's so much to cover here. But a, a cloud that hangs over all of this is, uh, does Donald Trump even going to be allowed to participate in the elections because of all these multiple lawsuits. He literally scrambled from Iowa, I believe, to go to New York. Was it New York? I can't keep track of where each state he yeah. placed to deal with his lawsuit. I think it was over his uh, finances. Uh, a guy who so soon apparently will not be allowed to do business in New York. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy they, they got running for president. And so, you know, I think the media has done a terrible job about weighing the fact for Republicans who are supposed to be informing people that, um, you know, uh, there's a high likelihood the uh, Republicans are going to have a candidate that will be eligible to run. And yet they, everything they do, do tends, if anything, uh, fuels more support for Trump, even if they don't want to. Just the way they posture him in a manner that is, is uh, uh, you know, almost like a victim, which Trump loves to be anyway. Sorry, there's a lot there. <laughs> no, you're good. And his supporters, they love that victim mentality, right? Every time he comes across as a victim, he gets more support because they see him fighting and they want to fight for him and with him. So the media, and it's kind of um, the relationship kind of benefits both because you hit the nail on the head when you said negative attention for Trump. When they're covering the trials and anything negative towards him, it raises the ratings of outlets like CNN and MSNBC and New York Times, right? They get more clicks, more hits when they're covering the negative parts of Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump then gets more support when the media is covering the negative parts about him because his uh, supporters feel that he's being victimized. So they kind of need each other in, in a certain kind of way. They're like parasites feeding off each other in yeah in that regard. Um, but I do think the problem becomes in that once Trump becomes the nominee, you now have to try to balance that coverage in a way that is fair, and I use air quotes with fair because we 
the media is fair in its own way. But you have to balance that in a way that comes across as fair and equitable in the same way that you're covering his his potential um, running, uh, his potential opponent, Joe Biden. Well, how do you do that? Because no offense to Joe Biden, and I'm not praising Joe Biden as any great leader either, but he's not Donald Trump. He's not spewing lies every time he talks. He's not um, tearing down people and saying statements that are borderline racist every time he talks. The media has to figure out how do we cover that. They did not do a good job in 2016. They're part of the reason he won, because they gave him so much attention, because attention seems to fuel him. So now they have to figure it out for uh, 2024. How the heck do we cover him without feeding the fire? And I think that's a very tough task for them. Well, unfortunately, I think there's an enormous amount of pressure uh, to really think in terms of helping Trump rather than hurting Trump. And that includes the left, because the media is really going, particularly legacy-type media, uh, it's going through an existential crisis. And uh, you and I both know ratings blew up when Trump blew up. The more he was attacked, the better MSNBC did. And the more he was attacked, the better Fox did. And so, you know, the only ones who don't seem to thrive in those environments are maybe News Nation, who bring a more balanced approach, one of the only media I can watch these days on TV. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, Scripps, you know, Scripps Howard, they've got a channel. Yeah. I, watch, I watch all the boring channels, frankly. I'm weird. <laughs> I actually go for information. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, they, you know, most of it, there's a huge economic pressure, unfortunately, to handle Trump in the worst possible way. And I frankly blame the media for Donald Trump's rise to, uh, to the presidency because of the fact that they only projected him in a negative way uh, from the moment he announced. I remember the Huffington Post, uh, the moment he came down the escalator, the thing escalator to make his announcements, they announced that uh, they were going to relegate all of his, um, all of his media, all of his stories around his presidential run in the entertainment section of that website. You know, it, it was that. so disrespectful. And yes, I get it. They're, they were spot on, really, um, but it was so disrespectful. And as you have said, as I have said, the supporters love to hate those who disrespect Trump. And frankly, there's a lot of, of nonpartisan, and, I, and really most of these people aren't partisans. I'm not sure they're ideolo ideological either. Yeah. Uh, they're just a form of reactionary. But average Americans have a sympathy factor for people who are not being treated in a fair way. And so the media, in a way, the media has always, you know, uh, helped fuel and bolster Trump's political ambitions. Well, correct, because they, they feed the fire. They give rise to these claims when Trump claims that they're treating me unfairly because of how they cover him. You, you can, he can point to examples of that, and that has been a mistake that the media has made. I remember when the Huffington Post did it. They also ran these borders under uh, this um, signature underneath every Donald Trump article that talked about, you know, he's a xenophobe and he's this and he's that. That is not helpful. That's not helpful in the discourse. Most people can digest facts on their own. They don't necessarily need the media to tell them how to think. But Donald Trump is so repugnant to many in the, uh, the legacy media that they can't help <laughs> but try to tell you how you should feel about him. And it actually does the same. And you mentioned 
Iowa, and you mentioned kind of how um, white Iowa is, which it is. But what we saw with Donald Trump in both 2020 and 2016, his coalition of people that voted for him in the general was actually far more diverse than we've seen any Republican candidate get in in modern times. In modern times, yeah. With African-American males than any other Republican candidate. He did very well with Hispanics. So everybody, the, the media has a challenge on their hands there because Donald Trump is not as limited um, of a candidate, at least in the as, as elections go, as they would like him to be, because we know the legacy media, they just don't, they don't like Trump. And right. they thought they would never be back in this position. Either he was going to go to jail or something was going to happen. Um, but now they find themselves back in the position where he looks like he's going to be the candidate. Assuming he can be the candidate. I'm sorry, say that? <laughs> Assuming he will legally be allowed to be the candidate. You know that's a we that's a whole nother discussion, Kevin. But I I feel like if if the courts were to somehow take that away from him, there would be bedlam that would that would cause. Because one thing about Americans on either side, we don't like the ideal of anybody coming in and usurping who we can vote for or telling us that we don't have the right to vote for a certain type of person. I think that the Supreme Court just – I don't think they will allow it. I don't think that law is clear, by the way. I think the 14th Amendment is not very clear on who gets to make these kind of decisions. But I just think that people would really revolt against that situation. And, and, and knowing how Trump supporters act when they don't get their way, I would, I, I would hate to see what would happen in streets in, of cities in this country if that was the yeah. decision that was made. I hate to see what will happen if we appease them by allowing someone who doesn't qualify, which, by the way, you know, Trump is the one who really led the drive on why Barack Obama should not be allowed to be, uh, you know, president. Um, and, and Republicans have long made a big deal about uh, appropriateness. And this guy's going to highly likely, just looking at Georgia alone, is going to have a federal felony uh, under his belt, uh, a state felony there, but felonies under his belt that's going to make it impossible for him to be able to serve. People with felonies in most states can't even vote, let alone serve. And so we'll have to see. We'll shave the the discussion because really we have our hands full with this topic. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, I, I for one think it's possible. This court is very interested in the proper level of government. You know, they like to call it a right-wing court. I think it's a more nuanced court than that. It's very interested in government, uh, federal, state, and local uh, branches of government. Uh, uh, no, this isn't an executive branch thing. This, you know, talking about the administrative state, this is something Congress has to decide. Those type of decisions, um, this is something that they're going to gravitate towards what the states say on this, my opinion. But, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It'll be interesting. I guarantee you, whatever decision they came out with, which won't be that long, you and I will have plenty to talk about around that <laughs> well, alone. Um, somebody's not going to be that blame, uh, I blame this media for uh, Trump's rise to power, power significantly. Um, they discredited it. I, frankly, they wanted to really help. Uh, undermine Trump, they would have started promoting positive stories about him because this group, this this one-third of the voters that seem out there, and I think it's only about a third 
Um, it may be growing, but I think that growth growth is soft and is um, you know really uh, responding to what they think is an uh, unfair treatment at Trump, which I get that. Um, they, there's one third who believes that in nothing but conspiracy when it comes to the media, and the mainstream media is quote anti-American. The mainstream media is anti-Republican, which I'm not sure if I put quotes around that. <laughs> you know, I look at Republican parties historically, right? And John McCain, the maverick, John McCain, you know, uh, the only res- reasonable voice in a Republican mar- party when running for the nomination gets the nomination and the media throws them under, under the bus. That's kind of been typical now for decades when it comes to the media treatment of Republicans. Um, and so I frankly understand the uh, kind of paranoid attitude that a lot of Republicans have towards the media. Uh, they wanted to hurt Trump. They want to, to talk about his successes. And I love Trump, but he has successes. But good luck getting them to talk about those in a positive light. <laughs> well, absolutely. And we do agree. I, I think 2016 was largely decided by the media. I think the media thought that by being so negative toward Trump, they would ensure that Trump did not win. Uh, first, it started with the, uh, the, the primary, the nomination on the Republican side. They just figured there's no way he's going to win, so let's just cover every crazy tweet. Let's cover every crazy press conference. Let's talk about every story 20,000 times and, and talk about how negative it is. But it had the opposite effect. It propelled him, and it propelled him to the presidency, and here we are again. And the media is doing the same thing again because they are covering these trials, these criminal trials, so intently, but it's having the opposite effect. It's actually causing him to get more support every time um, he goes on trial. So we'll have to see what happens there. Now, there have been polls that people have said, you know, if he's convicted, they will not vote for him. The Constitution does not say that a felon cannot be president. So even if he's convicted of a felony, um, he can still run and he can still win. So we'll have to see how people actually react to that. But it looks like every time the media covers these trials, the more negative attention they give him, the better he does in the polls. So just to uh, – the United States Constitution does not say that. State constitutions do. And historically, I mean, you saw what was required before the uh, – it wasn't until the 1960s that the courts began to intervene, intervene with state policies in order to defend or uh, enforce positions in the civil rights era. It took until the 1960s before a lot of these ridiculous laws that were really designed to discriminate uh, finally came into effect. And so although the federal government – uh, the U.S. Constitution doesn't have prohibitions. A lot of the state constitutions do. There's no question about that. And so the question is, is will, the, will the court defer to the states? Because this court really believes that the states should be primarily in charge of elections and the very little that they, they have done as a group, but also what their views were um, when they, before they got to the Supreme Court, which, you know, that, that can change. You've had real hardcore right-wing judges all, all of a sudden become not so much. Uh, but uh, And so I think that is yet to be seen. Um, it, very interesting, interesting, though. As we begin to wrap it up, running out of time, I, I do want to uh, end with a quote by H.L. Mencken, which I think 
really lines up with a lot of our conversation, the famed journalist. He wrote that as democracy is perfected, the office of president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. <laughs> you know, and that happened. That happened. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying that uh, Trump is the first. Frankly, we've had several over the years that could qualify, and Mencken's quote is well over 100 years old. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we seem to have a populace that is really driven to a casual disregard of tradition, casual disregard of rule of law, and I blame the media substantially for it. it it's abandoned its job as uh, conveyors of what, what voters need to know, of informing, of educating, and has uh, become little more than a, uh, a, a, another marketplace tool for profit. And it is, it's been terrible. The consequences is huge. Final thoughts from you. Yeah, no. I, I love that quote, by the way. I've never heard that, but I, I like that. Uh, I think the media just has to grapple with itself, and they need to look inwardly, and they need to really try to figure out what is their purpose at this point. Because you're right, numbers have gone down. They're looking more at profit centers. <clears throat> but I think that they still try to maintain some level of news integrity. And so if they approach it from that standpoint and maybe try to do a better job of being more even, more across the board, perhaps then it won't fuel the Trump machine in um, such a way. But do I honestly believe that media is going to go and do the opposite of what brings them in ratings and money at this point? I won't hold my breath for that one, Kevin. Yeah, you're a smart man. I, uh, I wouldn't do that either. That's a bet I don't want. Uh, always love my time with you. Always look forward to the next one. And uh, Warren D. Robinson, he's a show favorite, personal favorite. We always have a good time. We're not in the same place, you know, ideologically, but shockingly, uh, we agree on a lot of this stuff. WarrenDRobinson.com. That's WarrenDRobinson.com. And uh, you and I both have a strong pragmatic streak, which may be our strongest streak at that, which trumps any partisanship and ideology. And uh, I think we make interesting conversations. I find them interesting simply because they're so hard to find in such a polarized <laughs> culture. So thanks so much as always.